You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, it's August and uh, we have seen the return of Islanders hockey uh, in its all of its glory. In the 2-1 win over the Panthers in Game 1, Islanders uh, took a, a lead in the five-game series and uh, they did their thing. That was Islanders hockey, and we had missed it, but there it was right in front of us. Uh, uh, you know, uh, sweaty moments and all towards the end, but it works, and they still found it. They still have their groove. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny that that it's still take it's still taking getting used to. I don't think I'll ever get used to it. The the national media is talking about, wow, that you know that that looked like the Islanders. You know, that looked like Islanders hockey. And uh, it, they they even talked about it. You know, people were talking about it during their exhibition game against the Rangers. Like that that was Islander hockey. You know, they they got a lead and they killed off the game. And that stuff still just doesn't it just doesn't feel right to hear people talk about the Islanders that way. But uh, it, it was it was you know this that's what that's who they are. And and it was uh, I, I mean the Panthers looked bored. I thought like I was like this must be a big. I mean, you look, we watched the rest of the games and like a lot of them are of helter skelter there's like 800 power plays there's mm. fights everywhere i mean it's just it's just it must have been you know the panthers must have been like we, why couldn't we we play that kind of game um you know there were two penalty shots in 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 the penguins canadians <laughs> game why couldn't we have that you know instead yeah. we had to go watch the islanders just suffocate a game from us so uh yeah but it it must have i mean barry trotz must be really chuffed because that was uh you know, if he if he could draw up a game like his, if when he puts his head on the pillow and dreams about his ideal hockey game, that might have been it. 
Yeah, right? That sounds about right. Um, if you've been watching, and we'll talk about more about the games later on, but uh, if you've been watching and you see Brian Boucher do his you know, commentary, he seems to be like the number one guy who keeps bringing up over and over again, well, you know, I haven't played a game in, they haven't played a game in four months. There's going to be a lot of rust. Well, you know, there's, they're shaking off the rust. It's been four months. There does not look like any rust on the Islanders. Uh, the Panthers did get a couple of chances, but yeah, they they found their groove right away and and uh, yeah, I, the Panthers, I, I guess a board is a good way to put it. Um, they were definitely frustrated. And you know, we, we don't need to talk a lot about the uh, the exhibition game against the Rangers that preceded that, which is another 2-1 win. Um, but very much like in that game, you know, the big guys you expect to come to come out and, you know, guns blazing just never materialized. Artemi Panarin had a very, very quiet night against the Islanders in that exhibition game. And Alexander Barkov was very quiet against the Islanders in game one. Uh, he just, I don't know, it just didn't seem like he was even there almost. And and it wasn't like the Islanders just stuck some one person on it. It was, you know, the the fourth line got some shifts against him. The the Nelson line got some shifts against him. The Pajot line got some shifts against him. Even Lee and, the, and Barzell. So it's like it was by committee that they just kept those guys off the board. And, you know, we talked about the Panthers aren't a bad team, but, you know, they are top heavy and they do have you know, Huberdo and Dadnov and, and Barkov at the top. And Huberdo got did get that goal early in the third period. But um, you know, one of the features of Islanders hockey that that I always forget about is how when they're playing their style, yes, it can be boring, but it also makes the clock go very, very quickly. And so in the third, the Islanders had a two-goal lead. Um JG Paggio got things started in the first period. Anthony Beauvillier in the second period with a power play goal. Um, the Panthers did push a little bit in the second half of that second period, but the Islanders got out of it without giving anything up. So then they start the third period. Huberto scores, and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. Now it's going to fall apart. But a thing about Islanders hockey that we all forget is that they're, it runs the clock down so quickly that the game is pretty much over before you know it. So, I mean, he scores like 30 seconds into the period, and so there's – 18 and a half or whatever, 19 and a half minutes left. But then all of a sudden, 19 and a half minutes becomes 15 minutes. Then 15 minutes becomes 10 minutes. Then 10 minutes becomes four minutes. And then four minutes becomes two minutes. And then the game is over. And you're like, oh, that's it. It's over. They won. Uh, and that, so that was the thing that, that I remembered that I had completely forgotten about. But uh, yeah, it was they clogged up the middle. They, they wouldn't let people out of their sight. And uh, they came away with what they needed to, which was a, a game one win. Which, as we've seen, as you've probably heard a million times, the team that wins the first game of a five-game series goes on to win 85% of the time. So it's kind of a big deal, but they did it, and they had to. Yeah, the uh, I like that, the forgotten feature of Islanders hockey. Uh, it, it, it does. It just, it, uh, the, I'm, I'll never forget that Penguins game. It was uh, game four when they swept the Penguins, which still sounds weird to say. Um, I, I was at a bar watching uh i remember we went to we tried to go to the offside tavern but they had a flood or something and they 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 were like you know the this other bar nearby is going to show and so everybody was going to go to the offside tavern when uh i think it was called off the wagon i don't know it was one of those like dime a dozen bars and uh down in the west village and uh it was not i mean it was a great time and uh i remember the when the islanders were up what was it one nothing at that time two nothing uh just that that third period when that third period started i was like or they were up two one. I was like, this is this period is going to feel like years. It's going to take years off my life. It's gonna. It's just going to cr- crawl. But just like you said, like I, that that was that period. Just it didn't fly by because you know you're obviously so nervous the whole time. But 
you look up at the clock, you're like, wow, that was three and a half minutes in between whistles. That was two minutes in between whistles. It's just because the Islanders are so efficient when they're going well at uh, making sure that the, the you know that if they're not just icing the puck, they're you know there's their exits and entries are good. They're if if uh, the other team's trying to transition the puck into their the defensive zone, the Islanders will will beat them back a couple times. That takes off you know a couple shifts, which are like forty five seconds each. And, that's basically what was happening. Like the Panthers were, would come at them, the Islanders would beat them back, and then they would have to restart 200 feet away, or the Islanders would maybe get a counter attack out of it. And uh, it was it was to a it was to a t what what the Islanders wanted to do, needed to do. And this is looking way too far ahead, but um, it just makes you confident, not just in, in in this kind of tournament, but beyond that, because you know the Islanders that was their first win. They in, in meaningful games, they they had lost you know seven in a row before the hiatus and. Uh, they didn't. They started to look better uh, in in some of those losses, but before that, you know, they 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 weren't playing well, and you you wonder like, oh man, you started. To, I started to miss that, you know, this this quote unquote boring style of hockey, uh, and to have it back, it makes me feel like, oh, you know what? Like I shouldn't be worried. You know what we what we were thinking was the whole time we were hoping the case was that the, the reason the Islanders started to struggle was because Sezikis and Pelic, uh, you know, even a guy like Cal Clutterbuck when he was like. The Islanders were missing pieces, and they need all those pieces to succeed. Um, and that this is just another kind of step towards that being the case: is that the Islanders can pull this game off against anybody. They just need to make they need depth. They need they need the right guys in the right places, uh, and they're all here right now. So they're they're a formidable foe, uh, no matter who they play. And 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 if you know, like I said, it's looking too far ahead, but it makes me more confident going next year because uh, yes, they're 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 going to need to do a little. Uh, salary cap gymnastics, but as long as the right they have enough guys in the right spots playing the right role, like the Islanders should should hopefully be uh, be able to pull this kind of hockey off for for the foreseeable future. Because even though some of these guys are old, older, like you know, in their prime or past their prime, slightly they're they're still good at what they're supposed to do. And uh, as long as the Islanders have have this kind of roster set up, uh, and and you know that beautiful bald man behind the bench, I think. Uh, I'm, I feel better about it. And I mean, I'm getting carried away by one game in August, but it, it really, it, it, I, was, I was really pumped after that game, not just for this tournament, but I'm like, all right, it was just great to see that back because it makes me a little bit more confident in this, this whole regime um, going forward too. Yeah. It's, well, it's hard not to be excited because like you said, I mean, this is, this is their game. They did it. And yeah, I mean, I guess the one, the one big weakness to playing that style is they, they need to have their full complement of players in order to pull it off because I guess they haven't really built that kind of depth where they can just plug in the next guy. Like, that's the next level, really. I mean, isn't it? Like, we always get irritated when the Penguins call some guy up from Wilkes-Barre and he turns out he just play, he plays just like everybody else. Like, that's the, you know, that's what makes those teams really annoying. And the Islanders haven't reached that level yet where they can just lose a guy and plug him in and you get the same results. And having Adam Pellick in particular... Uh, when you said that beautiful bald man, I thought that's who you're talking about too. But uh, no, no offense. He's he's the beautiful balding man. He balding, he's yes, he's at the per- you know, as as a as a follically challenged man myself. I actually never really went into the stage that he's in right now. I, as soon as my dad was the first person to point out that I was losing my hair, I was you know I was really young. I was like 22, and he's just like, "You're going bald." And I was like, "All right, I'm just gonna cut it all off." So I just cut it at that. I just you know did the full bick at that at that moment mm. that basically that night and, and never looked back. So I never went through what Pellick's going through. Um, but I've seen other people, you know, obviously go through it and, and I give him a lot of credit. Like you're holding, hold on, hold on to that. And, uh, he, he kind of pulls it off. He looks good. He looks, he, he looks like his, 
look right now is kind of the way he plays. It's just like it's he's he's you know it might not be the most beautiful, but he pulls it off really well. Well, you pull your look off too. I gotta tell you. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, I was saying uh, he needs to grow the rest of it out so he gets like the ally of Frady Skullet. Remember that he had like oh, yeah. he was like bald up top, but he was like real party was definitely going on in the rear up there. But there was <laughs> there was no business up front because there wasn't a whole lot up there. But anyway, that's that's my goal for Adipel. He obviously can't do that as an islander. But uh, but yeah, no, seriously, having him back uh, is a huge deal, and and it just makes all of the other pieces, particularly on defense, fall into the right spots. And I, I thought he and he and uh, Ryan Pollock had great games. I thought Devon Taves was phenomenal in that game. He really, I mean, he ended up, uh, he had a goal in the Rangers game, but I thought he was really, really good. And then the other thing too, is that, um, yeah, they had lost Casey Zizekas for a long time and they had lost Cal Clutterbuck and Martin. Those three guys, obviously together, we know what they're capable of, but then it was about kind of finding the other spots for everybody else in the lineup. And when people are hurt and then you trade for a JG Pajot, like there was a lot of experimenting going on that didn't really kind of, you know, get finalized. And so I think they seem to have found those lines. Brock Nelson was arguably the best player on the Islanders the entire game. He was fantastic. He was all over the place and he had, he was on a line with uh, Beauvillier and Josh Bailey and it worked really, really well. Pajot was on a line with his buddy from Ottawa, Derek Broussard, and Tom Kunackle, who was in for Ross Johnson. And again, those guys were pretty effective. I mean, they didn't, you know, uh, Pajot had the goal, and uh, they were pretty noticeable, especially on defense. Like, they just didn't let the Panthers kind of get away with too much. And that leaves the top line of Barzell, Lee, and Eberle. Now, Barzell and Eberle have had chemistry before. Um, You know, that line had its shifts, like, where they were out there working. They seemed to just kind of just be missing goals for a bunch of times and you know with lee he hadn't had the best of seasons they just weren't falling for him uh this year like they have been normally i mean he he lives off the rebound he lives off the garbage goal and this year he wasn't getting them so if he can start getting them and that line can start finding some success you know this it's hard not to be excited when you see them doing their thing because that's what they were doing and it was really cool um there is unfortunately excited by boring hockey yeah (laughs) that's the islander way there's a t-shirt islander way um um I, I, whenever I see people, you know, tweeting about how boring it is, I'm always, I always want to respond with like, that's a feature, not a bug. That is how, you know, the thing is working properly when it looks like that. If it wasn't looking like that, they'd be in a lot of trouble. Um, but there is a sour note, however, though, in terms of the lineup, Johnny Boychuk took a hit up high from Panthers defenseman, Mike Matheson kind of put a shoulder into him. To me, it looked like he caught Johnny kind of in the upper chest area, uh, and then his head obviously was was impacted by it. I don't know if his head necessarily got hit. Um, it was looked pretty bad. Johnny left the game. That was his second hit uh, on uh, in the first. He only played five minutes, and he got really leveled twice. Uh, poor guy. And then he he left the game and didn't come back. So they ended up doing all that with five players, and there was no update on Boychuk's status as of right now. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised not to see him play in game two on Tuesday because uh, he he looked pretty pretty rocked uh and you know johnny's had a history of that kind of stuff so uh if he's out obviously it's it's not great but the islanders do have a lot of depth and they can splot in there i would think that andy green would probably be the the obvious choice there maybe he plays with letty one of them switches i think i think one of them might have to switch to their offside but we'll have to see maybe noah dobson and green both get in and end up playing as a pair with letty as kind of an extra i don't know how the lineup section works but there's going to be a a a choice for Barry Trotz but again this is where the Islanders have depth on defense I mean they got green they have Dobson they can slide those guys in to to make up for Boychuk but you know so far after one game 
it could not have been better. Like this was exactly <laughs> the outcome you wanted. They played their game. They won. They took control of the series right off the bat. And now game two is on Tuesday at noon. So if you're home uh, working, find yourself a TV or a tablet or a computer or something and, and queue it up at noon. And then game three is on Wednesday. And so that's where the goalie situation might get kind of weird. Simi Varlama was phenomenal in the game. Um, would he play back-to-backs? I don't know. Put Thomas Grice in, in a potential third game. I don't know. We'll have to see. But uh, it's going to be a different choice. I, I think it'll depend on how game two goes. But uh, that's another choice for another time, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to come fast and furious because, like, you know, Tuesday, obviously, Tuesday, Wednesday, you'll – you're probably listening to this Monday and uh, you know, in 72 hours or whatever, the Islanders could be on their way to uh, you know, the, the playoffs proper or, or they could be down to one and or up to one, who knows, but um, e- e- either way, it's just, it was, it was, as like you said, as good as, as, as the Islanders could have uh, drawn it up. And they've also, I think, uh, you know, knock on wood, probably weathered the best game Bobrovsky. I mean, he's, he's, he's shown flashes of being brilliant, obviously in his career, but I, uh, this season was largely a struggle for him and he played really well. He was probably Florida's best player. Um, I thought, and the Islanders pro- probably could have been up, uh, won this game by two or three goals. And, uh, they, they, they ran into a good goalie. So the fact that they were able to beat the Panthers when Bobrovsky was on is, is another encouraging sign. And I mean, just, just generally like this, Panthers did not seem to have an answer. That's why I say they looked bored. They just didn't seem to have an answer uh, for for what the Islanders are kind of deal- giving them, and, which is weird because the Islanders were like, you know, if Liam McHugh knows who the New York Islanders, like what their style is, Joe Quenville and the Panthers uh, scouting department does too. And it's just, they just didn't, they were befuddled by it. And we've, we've talked about this in the past with this, when the Islanders are going, like they just, teams just can't, they're such a hard team to beat. Uh, they make life so hard. Uh, for for their opposition that you, you'll see really good players just look confused. I remember Phil Kessel just being like given up in in those, in those that Penguin series, and uh, even if Evgeny Malkin and, and just players like really good players are just like they they just kind of throw their hands up in the air like we're not going to score tonight or we're not going to be able to score enough tonight to to beat this team. And um, Varlamov his his form looks really good. He was really good against the the Rangers uh and, and he had a, a choice quote very uh Nabokovian quote with a uh, when he said that talked about a pad stack save that old school doesn't get old and I, I love that I love that that quote and uh I, I think the fact that the the Islanders now have yeah the boy check it's unfortunate but the like you said the depth is there um you know I, I would love to see both Andy Green and Noah Dobson come in I think that that pair would would work perfectly not only is you know is it is it is it like a good you know Andy Green obviously you can yes this is cliche but he's he is a pro defenseman he's a pro's pro he does whatever it takes and having Dobson play with that kind of calming presence is is only going to help him Uh, I think that those two would be a great pair going forward you know even next year if the Islanders are able to uh, convince Green to stay on a you know cheap one-year deal um but because the the only the only issue I had with the game was when was Boychuk and Letty's play, uh, even before Boychuk got hurt. Like they just they just didn't seem they didn't you sometimes you get good Boychuk and Letty, sometimes you get bad Boychuk and Letty. Um and it looked like they were kinda on their way to a to a bad uh Boychuk and Letty game. 
Uh, so who? I mean, large the the it's nitpicking, but that that was that was the only kind of thing that that concerned me a little bit. Um, obviously outside the injury now that there's a, you know, roster decision to make, but, uh, that was it. I thought everything else kind of worked out well. I was really happy to see JG Pajot score again. Um, that guy's happy awesome. Happy to get, see him get a win with Pajot. Yeah. That was the first one. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Hell, it came at a hell of a time. I, I, I gotta say like, if I'm, I'm really close to, uh, to, to pulling the trigger on a, on a Pajot jersey. I, I love him. I, I, I'm, I don't stop thinking about that guy. He said, uh, he said this team is like a brotherhood. Uh, which is something that if you're a longtime follower of the team is something that Evgeny Nabokov mentioned too, when he was here, he's like, this team is like brothers. And you know, that, that team had a lot of different guys on it that aren't here right now. And the brotherhood, uh, I guess, aesthetic and, or ethos is, has remained. And it's kind of cool to see outsiders come in. I mean, I'm sure when he was with Ottawa, Pajot did not think about the Islanders once, or at least maybe you know, probably only two or three times a year when they would play them. And now that he's, been involved and and is one of them he can kind of see why these guys are so tight and it's cool that he's immediately joined that that group as well um yeah i you know i, I don't know what's what the deal with letty and boychuk i mean with boychuk i guess it might be age but yeah i mean his play has deteriorated a little bit and with letty i just i don't know i think he's just having i mean that's, i know we're coming up on year two now but i just don't think he's he's fit this trotzian system and i just it's still the same thing i you know i didn't miss that either we're like watching nick letty play and being like kind of expecting more like he's you know he's the guy he's the point guy in the power play and you think yeah that's great but it's just you know it's like when you know people used to complain why michael grabner didn't play on the power play and i think jack Capriano said a couple times because he's not good on the power play <laughs> it's like yeah okay i mean he that he just his skill set didn't lend itself to that kind of area and nick letty's skill set could and it should and he's got so many different skills that it should he should be an asset in every area but sometimes he just looks a little bit confused out there whereas the other the other four guys are all clearly pulling on the same rope so um or they're pulling yeah, the rope the same way it's also weird because I, I i think at this point it's pretty safe to say devon taves is a is a better player than nick letty especially like mm-hmm. you know in current form and they they have similar strengths like they're both great skaters they're both great puck right. movers um but for some reason, Devon Taves is fitting in perfectly in this system and Nick Letty isn't. So you wonder, you know, maybe is it just a Boychuk Letty partnership doesn't work in the system? And, yeah. but I, I mean, I don't know. I think, um, Nick, Nick, uh, Nick Letty's probably the, the guy that I think is most likely to be moved uh, on, on this defense going forward. Uh, who knows? Maybe not. Uh, we don't know anything, obviously, but, um, it just would make sense, uh, you know. Yeah. And, it's, it's just possible. sad because he should be. He was so so good. Yeah. In that, uh, in his first, you know, what two three years with the team, especially that that first him and Boychuk were that that was one of the best. You know, right. not not even being hyperbolic, they were one of the best defense pairings in the league. Right. Um, and it just it it's just gone. It's just kind of gone to shit. Like it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, never forget. I mean, I know this is like a lifetime ago, but never forget that Garth Snow acquired both of those guys in an hour for nobody on the roster. And yeah, they were one of the best defensive pairings in the league that year. Like that's just an insane thing to have happened and happened to the Islanders. Like it's just crazy. But uh, yeah, ever since it's been a little bit, it just hasn't worked out. And, you know, I'm not saying Letty's bad or anything. Like he he looked, he had his moments, but it's just, it always feels like there's something missing there, but um, we'll see what happens in game two. I expect Joel Quenville to, 
have his Panthers charged up. I expect Barry Trotz to tell the Islanders, you guys haven't won anything yet. Like you got to do it again <laughs> and they're going to be charged up. Um, I don't know what, what changes the Panthers might make. It seemed like they kind of had everybody all, all hands on deck. Um, but yeah, you, you brought up a good point and Arthur Staple brought up this point too. in the athletic was that Bobrovsky was good. Like he made a couple of saves there and, you know, Brendan and Butch were playing that sort of game of like, Oh, if the Panthers come back and tie this, Remember these saves? Well, guess what? Those were still great saves, but the Panthers <laughs> never ended up tying the game. But uh, he was great. And, you know, if the Islanders can still get two on him and make it stick, well, then that's just what they're going to have to go ahead and do. Um, and, you know, if the Panthers looked bored, well, that's going to be a problem for them because they're they're probably going to get the same thing. They did turn it on again for the first half of the game. The Islanders controlled the first half of that game, like right up until the, the midway point in the second period. Once they scored their second goal, the Panthers started to kind of turn it on a little bit and things got a little bit dicey there in in the end of the second period and then the very beginning of the third period when they did score. But from that point on, the Islanders locked them down and and I don't remember a single real serious scoring chance after that. And then the Islanders, the other best thing they did was they just didn't take too many penalties. I think, uh, I think somebody, maybe there was like maybe one minor or something like that in the entire game, and that was it, which is the best way to keep the Panthers' power play uh, in check is to just not give them any opportunities. But even when they did, they, you know, the power play kind of came and went and and it was over. So it was it was cool to see. And again, it was it was Islander hockey and it felt good. And, uh, you know, I joked before the game on Twitter that <laughs> the best thing about the uh, Islanders-Panthers game was that the Oilers were playing at the same time and nobody was going to be watching it. Well, the Oilers got their doors blown off by the, uh, Blackhawks because Bar- Dave Tippett decided to play Mike Smith for some reason. I have no idea why. And uh, I don't know if any if most people were probably watching that. I don't think anybody really watched the Islanders, but if they had, they would have been like, oh yeah, well, I've seen this before. This is exactly what, what I expect from these guys. So it was kind of cool to see. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in game two. Yeah. The, the scheduling was funny. The, the first thing I noticed when that schedule dropped was that of course, the NHL would put the Islanders on at the same. It's just you know they they would be the staggered game, uh, which I thought was was funny. Would makes sense, but uh, yeah, game two, man, it's it's, it's game two on August fourth or whatever it is going to be. Mm. Ooh, yeah, boy, yeah, it's it, and, and another thing too. I was saying before that um, just about how it it still is taking some time to just get used to and get get the juices flowing. Uh, I wouldn't say that my my um, enthusiasm level was at you know, normal playoff levels yet, <laughs> mm. but it's, and we said this last week, it definitely is for the teams that I hate. And I, I, oh, yeah. I mean, watching the Penguins lose and the Rangers lose, I was, you know, going, I was, I was, I was there. I was like, this is exactly how I feel when they're playing, when the Penguins and Rangers are playing playoff games. And, and right now the Leafs are playing the Blue Jackets and I feel the same way. So uh, I'm sure my Islanders uh, enthusiasm will catch up to it, but right mm. now, so it's, it's, it's right now it's uh it's it's getting there. Like we're, we're I'm starting to to really get into uh, to playoff mode, and uh, it, it's been <laughs> it's been fun. It's been fun hate watching. Yeah, yeah, it's been a cool time to watch. Again, it's a nice uh, it's a nice distraction from everything else that's going on. It's just to watch these games, and I have not noticed the lack of fans or anything like that. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, you know other scores and games from around the league, and we're also going to talk about a significant piece of Islanders news that the both of us completely biffed on last week and didn't talk about at all. What was it? Find out after the break. Thanks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our favorite sponsor, as always, is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic defunct hockey logos. There is a clearance sale going on right now. You can check out some cool stuff that's a little bit discounted. Uh, Cincinnati Stingers are on there if you're a WHA fan. Uh, there's some really cool stuff to be found in there. They also have our Lighthouse Hockey Al Arbor t-shirts, and our portion always goes to the uh, Center for Dementia Research. If you use the code Lighthouse15, you can save 15% off your order. That is VintageIceHockey.com. Visit today. Visit often. Uh, it's a great site, and you could save yourself some money and get some cool stuff. VintageIceHockey.com. Okay, what was that big piece of Islanders news last week that we both completely forgot about because it happened a week ahead of when we uh, sat down and talked? It was that the Islanders Arena at Belmont Park will have a name. It will be UBS Arena, uh, UBS being the uh, big Swiss, right? Swiss banking uh, thing, like right? They're Swiss, I think. I'm not even sure. Yeah, yeah, they're Swiss with a... Uh... Like like most corporations with a pretty evil evil history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, don't want to look too deeply into that. Uh, there might be some stuff in there that we don't really like. Uh, as Dom uh, said, uh, as we all expected him to say, it is they are will be the arena will be ingloriously sponsored, unlike the gloriously unsponsored NASA Coliseum. Those days are obviously over. Barclays is always another banking conglomerate. It is a significant piece of news. It's not a happy piece of news. It's not exciting. Nobody gets excited. The you know something was it like three hundred. 80 some odd million that UBS is paying the Islanders for the naming rights does not get, it's not going to end up in my pocket, your pocket, anybody listening to this pocket, but uh, it is a significant piece of news and that the Islanders have, they've partnered with the Islanders specifically for this arena for like 20 something years. And uh, the rights, you know, they, they want to make this team their kind of stronghold and on the Island and, you know, in this arena, function and it's kind of cool like it's a kind of a cool thing it came out of nowhere nobody really expected it it's a pretty boring name to be honest with a ubs arena but uh people are going to start calling it the bank quite frankly it's kind of lame you could call barclays the bank too nobody does it's the bark um but uh you know it, it is kind of a cool thing and, and it's fun to be able to say when they move into ubs arena in 2021 so uh i don't know i, I was just sitting on twitter and all of a sudden this started happening Jim Baumbach, I think, was the first to have it come out. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And then all of a sudden, my whole day was UBS stuff. I had this bank I never even thought of outside of, you know, this big building you see in New York City every once in a while when you walk past it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's so funny that they're going to a literal barn. Mm. And now they want to be called the, the, the arena called the bank after you know being called the barn but for forever uh, mm. so that that's that's funny but the uh 
yeah, the, the the thing that stuck out to me was like immediately was well, where did this come from? <laughs> mm. Like, but usually, first of all, the Islanders are, are masters of the. Um, usually, they they, they kind of just put the stuff out. The this is an old NHL practice too. Is Friday afternoon at like five thirty um, right. p.m. The dump. usually news dump. Yeah. yeah, the news dump and. I don't think this was a part of one. So I was like, no. that, that, I was like, wait, what? That's what this is supposed to come out Friday. But um, <laughs> yeah, the whole thing just seemed, it seemed just so, so foreign to, to an Islander fan that uh, someone would, would pay up, you know, those, that kind of scratch for, to, to be a part of the Islanders. And uh, usually when the, people talk about banks and the Islanders, it's someone frauding checks or you know, <laughs> the Islanders being bankrupt. And now they're, they're backed by the bank and it's uh, so they've come a long way. I, I don't think I'm going to call it the bank. I think I'm mostly, you know, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to call it Belmont. I like, you know, I love Belmont, yeah. the, the, just the track and just saying like, you know, spending a day at Belmont is great. And uh, I'm not, I don't really think I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to the bank. Uh, that's very, first of all, it's very confusing for, for a lot of people. Cause you know, when I, a lot of times I got to go to the bank to run an errand and, uh, or, and stuff, but uh, it's, there's just, they they didn't the fact that they didn't waste any time like to get uh the trademarks was pretty funny to me too it's just like we we got we know islander fans i don't think that they thought islander fans would like love the idea of it but they just knew that isles twitter there'd be someone out there who would just be like all right i'm calling let's start calling at the bank and then the islanders would have to scramble for the the legal uh <laughs> the, the legal backing to make sure that they're they can make money off of it, but uh, they had those uh, Belmont hats with like the logo, the Islanders logo as the O. Mm-hmm. Like I think they that was even before they had even secured the the location. They had those hats with like the Belmont, like the typeface, the Belmont Park yeah, typeface right. with the Islanders logos. So I mean, somebody is in charge of this stuff, and they're pretty on top of it. So yeah, I'm not surprised that they would they would do that. I, I'm I'm just excited more than anything to see you know the the um. What do you call it when renderings? Is that what they're called? Mm. Um, they look good. I mean, it's it's pretty. It's pretty. The Islanders, Islander fans are lucky in with Barclays because we saw exactly how not to build and <laughs> um, you know an NHL arena and like what it, what it should feel, smell, and sound like. So um, they're they're they, they just basically need to say, look, just do the exact opposite of this building, and and we sh- <laughs> the the fans will love it. Um, but every everything, it's strangely. Um, scary that everything so far that's going that's uh part of belmont has it's seemingly going on off without a hitch which makes me very nervous like i just yeah. i'm super nervous even even the bank thing mm. it, i thought that people would just you know it'd be universally panned but it kind of it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't people weren't like oh this is great like a cool snazzy nickname for a, a cool arena but it wasn't like you know a lot of if this was like six years ago with the Islanders, I think people would just lampoon it. And it wasn't really lampooned either. There were like people that were just like, kind of how your reaction was like, eh, it's kind of lame, but it doesn't like piss me off. Which it, as somebody said it on Twitter, it's not little Caesars arena. Like that's okay. You know? <laughs> so that's, that's the good news. Like it's not, you know, it's not like completely bonkers. Like what? Really? Or the, um, where the, the Seattle Kraken are going to play, which is like, uh, climate what the hell is it climate, climate pledge yeah cli- thank you i was gonna say climate contract no climate pledge arena and it's like i think amazon is really like behind it which you know if they just called it amazon arena again people would have paid any attention be like oh okay it's amazon but like climate pledge arena is like 
really that's what you're going with? Uh, okay fine sure i guess but so it's it's almost like an islanders game in and of itself like it's just so boring that people just kind of forget about it and then, then it's over and it's done and we move on to something else i did see though that there was at least one tweet that had a typo to make it ibs arena which is like irritable bowel syndrome but obviously that's a typo so it's really making more fun of that than anything else but uh but yeah um so you know what's funny too is that i Again, we totally forgot about this last week because we were talking about the Kraken and, and all that was a Friday news news dump or the giant big thing. Uh, and obviously we were talking about the games. The thing that reminded me that we hadn't talked about it was the fact that ours, I think, is the only Islanders podcast that did not have John Ledecky and Oakview Group CEO Tim Laiwicki as guests last week. So, guys, we apologize. We're so sorry that that. uh we didn't talk about it, and I guess our invitations got lost in the mail, but that's okay. We'll, we'll forgive you this time. <laughs> but um, uh, if you have a moment, and you know, Monday again, there's no Islanders game, so you should. Uh, they were on every other podcast, and I highly recommend it because they all have different. Yeah, there's a lot of talking points in there, but they're all a little bit different. So, like Arthur Staples at, at the Athletic, um, No Sleep Till Belmont. Yeah, it was a little bit shorter than the other ones, and they got their sort of talking points out. But you know, whenever John Ledecky talks about something, he's so excited. And he's so into it and he's so committed that you can't help but get excited for it too. Like that's his his great gift is getting people to to be excited for this stuff. And like you're kind of like, yeah, man, I'm ready. Let's do this. Uh and Lightwicky uh had a lot of cool stuff to say. Uh over on Andrew Gross's podcast, it's quite a bit longer. It's about an hour long. And again, the guys had more or less the same talking points. But then um Gross talked to Jim Baumbach, who has been, you know, along with Randy Marshall following this Islanders Arena saga forever. And uh you know, they had he had some cool stuff to add too about how it's funny that like Wiki was one of the guys who had helped the Islanders arrange a preseason game in uh, Kansas City during the Charles Wong era. And I think like Wiki was the guy behind that arena in Kansas City. So here is this, you know, guy who went from almost taking this team away 20 years ago to helping them build an arena to stay on Long Island 20 years later. So it's kind of funny. Um, and then just this morning I was listening to uh, Bloomberg uh, has a sports business podcast where it was just like wiki this time. And it was a lot different. They didn't really talk about the Islanders all that much, mostly about uh, the building itself, but some of the innovations that are coming to this building are going to be pretty wild. Like, you know, the 5g is a whole big thing, but it's not just that it's um, like wiki's plan is basically that you would not, talk to another person in order to like get food or you know buy merch or whatever like it's almost like these amazon gun have you ever been in the, to these in the city like an amazon go store where you just log into amazon on your phone or something you walk through the door you take whatever you want and you walk out and you'll get scanned and it will just pop up on your app it'll basically scan your phone without you even knowing you're just walking and that's how you pay for stuff and i think that's that's kind of what the plan is for the building how that goes over with a fairly old school Islanders fan base? Well, we're about to find out, I guess. But uh, you can't fault them for trying. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff that there's planned for this, and uh, you know, hopefully, it all works when they when they open up in 2021. Because I'm excited to see it. I mean, I know it's it sounds kind of lame to be excited, but I mean, this is a long time coming for us, and so I, I agree with you. It all seems a little bit too perfect right now, and and you know, as Islanders fans, we know that that almost never works out. But I'm going to enjoy it for, for what it is right now until hopefully the other shoe drops. Hopefully the other shoe doesn't drop, but uh, we'll find out. The uh, Along with Adam Henrique and Alec Martinez, uh, Randy Marshall and Jim Baumbach should both get, uh, you know, days at the house. And, you know, when the, when the, when the um, Anaheim or the Arizona Coyotes come to Belmont, 
it should be like the Randy Marshall game and all the players should wear Marshall on the back of their jerseys. Sure. And we can do one for bound back too, just cause uh, the, uh, we, we talk about it a lot, but the, the nuance that they and calming presence that they give the arena coverage, because you know, the, every, every hockey media content farm out there, whenever the, like a weird thing would happen with the Islanders uh, arena issue, like they would just, you know, they wouldn't read the whole thing. They would just say, Oh, like more arena trouble. Islanders are, oh, get ready Hamilton to Ontario the Islanders are coming yeah um but uh Jim Baumbach and Randy Marshall were just so they they got it they they got the right information out all the time if you just basically just read their stuff you you would would be significantly calmer about the arena situation basically at every turn um and they so yeah I I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to Randy Marshall day at 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 the bank (laughs) I'm sure she she'll love to hear that because because they deserve it. I mean, it's yeah. not a beat that anybody asked for, <laughs> but you get stuck doing it. You it's, know, it's, it's also the, it's like a strange like if 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 they went to like a newspaper convention and met a colleague from the Cleveland Plain Dealer and they're like, oh, what beat do you write? And what's the most interesting you thing you do? And they would say, well, probably the New York Islanders Arena Saga. Like, it's, yeah, it's the, it wouldn't sound it doesn't sound great, but it's there are some crazy uh crazy turns in this thing and uh yeah. it's it's definitely yeah it's like a on the surface is probably a boring boring beat but when you dig into it, it it there's some weird shenanigans going on i mean how many beats or I, it's not even really a beat because obviously they write about other stuff but like how many stories go on for that long like you know i mean some people write an expose or a story like you know the john spano one is an example like you know, John Valenti was, I think, the big guy at, uh, who kind of covered a lot of that stuff. And Alan Hahn, too, when they were at Newsday. And, you know, it, it was a story. It ran for, I don't know, a year and a half or so. And then, you know, there were kind of updates here and there. But after that, it was over. And then they, they moved on to other stuff. Valenti, I think, is in a crime beat now. And obviously, Hahn moved on to Nick's stuff. But, like, you know, this Islanders arena story has been going on for 20 years. Like, that's incredible that you keep writing stories about the same subject for that long. It's unbelievable and, and that it became a beat. Like, how many how many kind of random stories like that become essentially a beat where you you are the person who they go to for information on this? And it, you you create sources and you get these you know scoops and things like that. It's just it's insane. And yeah, I agree. I mean, this is a very unique situation. And if the, if Randy and Jim wanted to write a book about this, I would be the first person in, in line to buy it because I, I want to read about it. And uh, there's probably a lot of stuff that they didn't include in some of those stories that I would like to hear as well. Cause it'd be pretty cool. But, uh, but yeah, so UBS arena coming in 2021, uh, get your checkbooks ready. Cause, or your credit cards ready. Cause it's going to be expensive. But uh, and and check out that you know check out all those podcasts I mentioned the staple and gross but the Bloomberg one is really interesting too it gets a little bit boring but uh, it is kind of cool. again they asked some different questions like they're not really talking about uh, ice surface or anything like that they're talking about <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah you know this uh, some business aspects of it but it, it is kind of a cool way to listen um, all right um, so moving around the league a little bit uh, some games just to catch you up again it's, it's Sunday night right now uh, the Leafs and Blue Jackets are playing right now the Blues and Avalanche, I think, is probably just over, right? Um, the Blues are up one nothing in that game. There's a Minnesota-Vancouver is the last one of the weekend because, let's face it, people care about that about as much as they care about Islanders-Panthers. That's the that's the Western Conference version of Islanders-Panthers is uh, Canucks and Wild. But uh, already Saturday night was pretty crazy. The Penguins are down one nothing to the Canadians. Uh, Jeff Petrie in overtime. Uh, I watched that game. 
you could talk about the Rangers game in, in a second because I obviously did not watch that. But I'm watching the Penguins game, and I, and I came up with an observation, and it's a bit of a hot take, but I'm going to say it. And I, I'm watching Evgeny Malkin play, and he's still a great player. He's still got all the skills. But I have come to the conclusion that in the words of Mike Lang, the great Pittsburgh broadcaster, Elvis has left the building. I think this guy is just done with this team. He's done with Pittsburgh. He wants it. He looks like a man who wants a change of scenery very, very, very badly. And I think that there's, we're probably, and we joke about this all the time. You know, Bruce Garriott had him traded to the Kings, whatever, 15 years ago. I think we're actually pretty close to Malkin getting traded probably to the Kings. Like, or somebody, or the Sharks or Ducks or somebody out there. Jim Rutherford's not going to trade him anywhere within their division. But um, I just, I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, I don't know, man. He just feels like it feels like he's checked out. It feels like he's just he wants to move on and he's tired of playing second fiddle to sit in these guys. And yeah, right. Fine. He's got two cups, but like enough or three cups, but it's just enough. For it. I just, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm obviously not, you know, getting Malkin's head, but I'd also like to see him play with Travis Hamannick on the same team. I think that'd be kind of a fun thing. <laughs> <laughs> two mortal enemies uh, on the same side. So, you know, maybe they'll end up as Winnipeg Jets together. That'd be kind of cool. I, I wonder a lot about the Hamannick. Malkin thing because like obviously we we remember it and and I'm sure Travis is, knows that he's uh he's had some really bone crunching hits against Malkin and they've they've gone at it but you know they've they've obviously not and uh, I haven't I haven't checked out any Calgary Flames Penguins games since Hamannick has moved to Calgary <laughs> so I wouldn't know but I just wonder if Malkin you know when when they're on the ice if if he says yeah number twenty four in Calgary like I hate that guy and mm. he hates me so just someone mm. have my back and you know Jake Kensel's like what. <laughs> wait why do you hate travis hamannick and why does he hate you uh it's yeah. kind of like uh miguel mikhail sergachev and brian boyle who who fought in the yeah right the preseason <laughs> game and, about yeah. and all of a sudden nbc had this highlight package of the two of them from back when boyle played for the devils like they, they went at it so first of all how did nbc know this and second of all right like they, they kudos to these two for keeping this blood feud going on into the preseason of a crazy tournament thing uh but yeah i mean the, the mal I, I i i would say this i would be wholesalely shocked if evgeny malkin is a one jersey player um mm. i i just would it would he's just never struck me as that guy and it's not just because you know the whole ooh, enigmatic russian kind of cliche it's just like you said like he, he's 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 one of the best players in the world he's been one of the best players in the world for what has it been now? You know, 50, almost fifteen years he's been in the league. Maybe more than that now. Yeah, more than that. Um, and he's always been the second fiddle on his team. So uh, naturally, uh, he would, I'm sure, want to see himself get the the credit he's due. Um, the, uh, the the I could we we said last last week with Thomas Grice, like I could just picture him in a in a Devils jersey. Um, mm. I could just picture Evgeny Malkin in a Dallas Stars, like that green Dallas Stars <laughs> jersey for some reason. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's, I don't, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't say it's likely that he's, he's going to be traded in the offseason, but uh, I would, I just don't think he's going to be a penguin for, he's going to do the whole, uh, maybe like the Patrick Marlowe thing or whatever and just, mm. uh, you know, go chase a ring somewhere else or be, try to be the, the man somewhere else. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, I would definitely, be thrilled if he if he did do that because uh he's he's been terrorizing the island. that's the other thing like Sidney Crosby obviously we know he's scored you know he's he's basically a hall of famer just in his games against the Islanders and uh 
that's kind of overshadowed. I'm sure the damage that Malkin has done too. So, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, if, no, he's yeah. If, if if that happens, I'd be thrilled. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that Penguins game was was just bananas. The yeah, uh, yeah, the, like you said, two two penalty shots. Um, Carey Price was awesome. Know, was, yeah, Carey Price was, was phenomenal. Uh, Matt Murray looked a little bit shaky. Um, the Penguins just came at the Canadians in waves, it just waves. But then every once in a while, the, the, the Habs would get a break and just something stupid would happen. You know, like the puck would just squirt off somebody's stick. The ice, you know, not for nothing. Like the ice in Toronto has not been good. Like, I don't know. I'm not usually one to complain about it. But for all the complaints that people make about Barclays Center is absolutely terrible ice. To so make no mistake, that ice is absolutely terrible. Uh, the ice in, in Toronto apparently hasn't been good. And they said on one of the broadcasts that part of what makes the ice so hard to maintain, particularly in the summertime, is like you've got people there. So the body heat and the doors opening all the time, uh, you know, can uh, can make it a problem. I think it was actually Brendan and Butch were talking about this. Um, and so that could be a problem. Well, you don't have that problem here. And so the ice is actually probably in better condition in August than it would be in a normal state if there was actual people in the building. So uh, it is something. But you could tell last night that ice was pretty bad. I mean, uh, who, who had the – oh, Brian – was it Brian Rust who had the – the penalty shot for the Penguins, he just missed wide. And then Jonathan Drouin, he's, the puck just squirted off his stick before it even got anywhere near a chance to take a shot. So it was something. And then Jeff Petrie just right down Main Street, just hammered home an, o-time, an overtime goal. And uh, I just tweeted, I don't know what the Oilers were thinking about getting rid of this guy because every time I see him play, he's just phenomenal. And, and my Habs fans, friends love this guy. So I think the Oilers could uh, could use somebody like that. Uh, and again, they got pumped 6-4 by the Blackhawks. <laughs> who were supposed to be roadkill. They were supposed to be no match for the, the great Oilers. I got to give the Oilers credit too, because like throughout the entire pause, their media has been carrying on. Like it's really nothing talking about trade, trade options for them and how great the season they were going to have and how they couldn't wait to get back on the ice. Cause Tippett was uncharged and they read a real chance of the playoffs and a real chance to make some noise. And then they start Mike Smith in game one. And it was four, nothing Blackhawks halfway through the game. <laughs> and it was like, what what is happening right now? And it wasn't all his fault, but boy, he was not good. Um, uh, actually, one the one the one goal was definitely his fault because it like bounced off. Of, he slid out of position and somebody bounced it off of this back or something like that. <laughs> um, so now they're down one game to nothing, and they're gonna have to figure out a way to, to get back into it. And I don't think the Blackhawks are gonna go away that quietly as as people kind of expected. So that was an interesting one as well, uh, and a little bit of uh, crow eat a little bit a little bit of crash down to earth. I think for some Oilers people that like hmm. This, maybe this won't be quite as easy as we thought it was going to be. So that's always fun. My uh, One of my friends pointed out that the, the Habs were, ba- were very close to trading Petrie. He was talked about at the deadline a lot, hmm. and they held on to him. And they basically were like, well, you know, we're not out of this thing yet. And um, I guess they were right. You know, they were hmm. they, they held on to him for this 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 playoff. This play reason. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, right. uh, but I think the of, of the – and I'm going to say this, like, it's been great um just just having hockey back uh I, i'm really enjoying it much more than i even expected to i knew i was going to but it's just been it's been really well done i think and you know there's usually leagues in the nhl especially like they, they get stuff wrong and uh, a lot of it's nitpicky or whatever but they've done a really good job um the games are, are staggered well they've been called well uh it's it's really just nice to have uh you know, it's like it's like hate watching teams. Like, look, I, I don't think Pierre Maguire brings anything particularly notable to a broadcast. I definitely don't want to hear Mike Milbury on the color commentary <laughs> of a game, of course. But like, even having that um, 
ire towards those two human beings uh is 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 nice like it's 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 weirdly uh soothing to be like to be mad at mike milbury as he's as he's talking over uh whoever's uh calling the game with him and and pierre and listening to pierre talk about you know the, the golf he was talking about a burger place in like Fargo or yeah. something. Whitey's That's burger. Whitey's <laughs> up there in uh, North Forks, North Dakota. Where yeah, he's like, what? he's like, of course, he's got to cross the Red River to get to the to, to get to this college he went to, which is North Dakota, one of the great programs. And let me tell you about Whitey's burgers. Like, it was just great. It was great to hear yeah. that because it, it it was it does like yeah, Pierre is 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 who he is, but. Just having his voice like playing is 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 nice, and and not being a two twenty twelve Stanley Cup game that I'm rewatching on NHL <laughs> Network for the tenth time during the hiatus. It's just it's nice to hear them uh, to hear fresh material from from Pierre. And uh, I I I think the the most poignant moment for me Saturday I was just kind of walking through um, my house, just like packing stuff, and uh, I just heard uh, you know I think it was Kenny Albert in the background. It was Ed, Eddie O. And I was just like, wow, it's really nice to have that a- ambient hockey noise on in the background again. And uh, and the games were good, too. I mean, I, I really enjoyed watching the Rangers lose. Like I said, like I really felt felt the same watching – hate watching those arrivals. And uh, it was nice. The, the It couldn't have started any better because I was a little nervous that the Rangers – you know, would you know be up three nothing at the end of the first, and I would just turn it off, and that would ruin my mood for the rest of the day, and I wouldn't watch anymore. But just watching those guys scramble around in their defensive zone for the first minute of that game against the Hurricanes was so nice. It was just great, and then obviously Slavin scores real quick too. So um, it was, it got off to such a good start with with the Rangers being a terrible defense because hell, I'm scared. I'm scared to death about them going forward. Uh, after you know, just they're they're going to get better. They have got really good players, and I'm really really afraid of them. But uh, that was it was nice. I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm really gonna enjoy watching uh, Mark Stahl, you know, get, turn into a pylon again. And this is, it's nice. It was, it was, uh, it couldn't have gotten off to a better start. And the Penguins game and the, even the Jets Flames game, which obviously the Matt, Matthew Kachuk thing was weird, but like that, that felt like a playoff game. Um, so it just ever, from from noon to one a.m. or whenever that game ended, mm. it was, it was really great. Yeah, that Jets Flames game was tough, and I, I turned it on just at the moment that um, Mark Scheifele left, and I was like, "Oh boy, some jet is hurt." And then they, the camera went behind his back, and I just my jaw just dropped, and was like, "Yeah, it was terrible, oh, it was terrible like, timing because it happened yeah. just as the Canadians game went to overtime." So everyone who was watching that game then flipped over to watch Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it was, it, it, it was, it was a nasty hit, but like, I don't know, you know, who knows his reputation is what it is. So, but mm. that's exactly what happened to me. I flipped over to that game. I'm like, oof, man. Yeah. Just the one guy. I mean, the Jets, you know, the, their, their forward crop is excellent. Their defense is very bad, but uh, you know, the, the one guy they really couldn't afford to lose is Shifley and boy, that's, that's going to be a rough, a rough one for them, but uh, you never know. Well, Connor Hellebuck was phenomenal in that game too. And he's been good. He's a Vezina finalist. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, that, that was just one of those, like, you know, it, it really puts you back into the groove. And I got to say, like, they have done a pretty good job of it. And, you know, I, I haven't noticed the crowds or anything like that. Pierre, like you said, hating on Pierre. He's got a new look now. He's got new glasses, got some beard stubble. I think he looks like Andrew Zimmern of uh, Bizarre Foods fame. Uh, it's, you know, it's weird seeing him there. And 
hating him being there, but at the same time feeling comforted that he's there and that you hate him being there. And uh, I, it was funny that you mentioned on Twitter that, it, you know, him not being there and him being outside uh, like John Cusack and say anything with the uh, the boombox over his head playing In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. Uh, that would have been an even funnier thing if he wasn't there and we could have been making fun of him trying to get into the building. But uh, I'm still going to picture him doing that because it's too funny, which is why. I, I wonder if he if he was allowed in or if he's just been he's just like, I'm going to live in Roger's place for two months. <laughs> he's in that little of, glass booth. And I guess <laughs> Boucher is in the other glass booth over in Toronto. Just, I'm just never going to leave now. because they're not going to be able to find me. They're not going to kick me out. So, yeah. Uh, the glass booth is too much. It's like a it's like a phone booth. Like it's this huge glass thing. It's like it, it reminds me of uh, there's a Golden Girls episode called Grab That Dough where they go on a game show, and there's a a big tube that they put B. Arthur in, and there's like money going up, and you have to like she has to grab it with her hands, and that's what it looks like. like grab that dough, <laughs> grab that dough booth. But uh, anyway, so yeah, it's been pretty good. I, I I really wonder about. I mean, I think that booth, like the third person rarely the islanders are kind of blessed because because um you know aj and jennifer actually do a great job in that really weird kind of third role which i think is either it either can add a lot to a broadcast or can just be distracting pierre yeah yeah exactly like but pierre in particular he's been in there for so long and you know that he has to know right he, he his self-awareness I, and I've run into him in weird spots before where I'm like, wow, he actually doesn't have any self-awareness. But I really want to know if he actually thinks like not not is he not only am I adding to the broadcast, because you know what? He probably does. He's, he seems like a competent lad. But when he does the uh, – they're not doing them now, obviously, but the, the coach interviews, like when he's interviewing John Cooper and the, and the Lightning are in game six of the Eastern Conference Finals and he's like, hey, you know, you're down to nothing. What do you need to change? And John Cooper probably just wants to strangle him. I really wonder if he has the self awareness to know that that John Cooper obviously is not having a good time during this interview. Um, yeah, it's a he, he needs when Pierre when Pierre hangs up the uh, when he hangs up his uh, his mic and his uh, Penguin mm. Stanley Cup ring for being a scout <laughs> <laughs> that he loves to splash on the broadcast. When he hangs that stuff up, I really I would love you know an hour special on just like him. Just Pierre, tell us you know what are you. You don't hear about him. You don't hear about him anywhere else. Like he's not on Twitter. What is right. going? What I cannot. This guy. Like, what is going on with him? Yeah. Um, what does he think his job is? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I will say this in Pierre's defense: the whole like coach uh, interview thing just bugs me to no end. Like I, I feel bad for hockey people when they do it. Uh, Pierre, obviously, number one. Boucher is another one. But I feel even worse for football people when they do it because those coaches don't want to talk to these people. And and so if it's like Michelle Tafoya or somebody else, you know, or um, where Pam she, Oliver. She, Pam Oliver. Yeah, thank you. Yep. She, she's she been doing it. I mean, they've been doing this for 100 years and you give them all the credit in the world because that's got to be the toughest spot because these coaches just aren't they just know you got to talk to bill belichick when the pan when the patriots are down 10 points the bills in a game you know they're gonna win he can't tell you they're gonna win but it's like this guy 
wants to literally be anywhere else but talking to you. And I just feel bad that they have to do it. And God bless them. They do it. I don't know how, but they do it. And so they ask the same inane questions. And the guy, sometimes the, the coaches just leave, whereas the hockey coaches weren't going to do that. They're just going to talk. They're going to humor Pierre, unfortunately. And we're going to get absolutely nothing out of it. But it is what it is. Um, also did a good job, uh, Matt Dumba, in his speech before the Oilers-Blackhawks uh, game. Uh, hopefully raises awareness to uh, you know the Black Lives Matter movement and, and racism movement that the NHL is – you know, taking part in, they don't do really great, but that speech was great. So hopefully we can focus on that and, uh, and uh, you know, we can, can move the conversation along as it should. Uh, okay. Uh, so Tuesday, Wednesday, games two and three, both at noon. Uh, you know, hopefully the Islanders can, can take care of business and get it over with and, and move on to the next round as quickly as possible. But I think the Panthers are going to want to come out and really, uh, you know, take – take back at least a piece of this series. And again, if Bobrovsky can play his to his strengths again, uh, they might be in trouble, but you know, it might end up being three, two, one games. And that's about all the Islanders need to move on to the next round. So, yeah, I, I, I really, I feel uh, confident, which I, I mean, even watching game one, the whole time I just felt like, Oh, like, Oh, the Islanders are going to win this game from the second that the pup, the puck dropped. I was like, this game, the Islanders are going to win. Uh, just some, some days you have that feeling and I'm, yeah, it's like weirdly confident going forward that this, this could be a quick series, but, uh, I'm, I'm hoping for the best preparing for the worst as usual with the Islanders. And, uh, yeah, it's just nice to see those guys back up. It's just like yeah. the Islanders have such a, I can't remember who oh, Sarah <laughs> tweeted that we need, we, we take Sidney Crosby for granted, which is just the guy gets called the best player in the world eight times at broadcast. So I don't think anyone's yeah. taking it for granted. But I think we take the Islanders jerseys for granted. And it was just so nice. Like that look is so beautiful, I think. And um, just seeing those those jerseys fly around the ice is, is really, really nice. Um, so that it's just it was these weird creature comforts that the Islanders, even like seeing Barry Trotz just kind of waddle around behind the bench, like just seeing Lane Lambert whisper in his ear like there's a spy and he's got the nuclear codes uh, and he doesn't <laughs> want them to see him, see what he's saying. There's just like there's just so many great things that 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 um, the Islanders bring to not just me but obviously everyone like the little things that we all love about watching a hockey game and uh, seeing and Trotz confused by the call to give Matheson a minor rather than a major <laughs> and then just, he's like he was like what and then the guy talked to him and he was just like all right yeah and I was like yep we're back like that's the way it is. <laughs> we're back, we're back baby. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we're back. Hopefully uh, everybody's having a good time out there and, and enjoy it for, uh, you know, again, the distraction and, uh, and uh, you know, the Islanders are back. This is the, the they played their game and they just got to do it a bunch more times and keep on going. Uh, you can all follow Mike uh, on Twitter. Can you tell everybody your Twitter handle again? The Big Lebowski with two E's. The Big Lebowski. He could also help you with some betting tips and betting advice uh, via the Action Network. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. If I was at the flea market today, I found a cool Islanders pennant from 1980-something. I'm going to have it framed and, and hung up. It's kind of cool. It was a buck. It was nice. Yeah. Um, you can follow Lighthouse Hockey at LH Hockey. You can follow us, uh, our podcast at, at LHH Podcast. Uh, you should check out Advanced Shouting with Dan and Noel. You should check out PT Isles from last week. Um, hopefully we'll hear more from those guys this week. Oh, oh, and um, I hate to put you on the spot like that, like this, but uh, what about uh, Wednesday night? Are you free? Like you think you'd be able to do something after uh, after game three? I think so. All right. 
We'll see if we can make it happen. We'll do yeah, I don't, I don't two know. whole podcasts in the same week. Imagine Look that. Out. We're making up for, for lost time, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we had four months off, right? Or at least three months off. So, yeah, we'll try and come back. Uh, and that's the nice thing about a Wednesday noon t- start is that we had all day to talk about. It. So uh, maybe we'll come back then and we'll see. Because then, you know, win or lose, we'll have something to talk about for sure. So we'll try and make that happen. Uh, but thanks for listening. Uh, enjoy the rest of the games. And uh, we'll talk to you whenever we talk to you. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.